Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. And we are here for our special Christmas episode. Um, we are all a little bit delicate, as last night was the Welcome to Horror uh, office Christmas party. Um, and we all got slightly battered. So despite the fact it's now eight o'clock the following evening, um, I'm full of pizza, but I'm still having to drink again to uh, make my way through it. And Adam looks like he's pretty much in the same mental boat. Yeah, well, I'm 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 pretty good. I'm just sort of I'm I'm at the moment I'm trying to be Qui Gon, sitting between the red lasery things. <laughs> you know when it's like Darth Maul's pacing up and down. You're just thinking you won't feel the benefit. <laughs> and then Qui Gon just sits quietly. So I'm sort of doing that to reserve my energy for the task at hand of fighting a two bladed demon. But <laughs> Sort of. It's a metaphor somewhere. <laughs> Close I'm, um, enough. I'm feeling pretty good after the two films I just watched. That, that's a little the hint. Two films so, you just watched? Uh, yes. Ooh. Yeah. I, I thought I'd get another one in, you know, quick today, and it was well worth it. And oh, I'm going to do my guess what film it was again. Now, it might okay. only be aimed at Adam, though, because I don't think Lee has seen it. Okay, uh, fair enough. A little memory that he said he hadn't watched it, but we'll find out. Okay, well, power on, sir. Okay, right, so I will start with, now I might completely ruin these, but let's see what you make of it, Adam. So one quote that gets said a few times about the film is, I'm just doing my job. And it's got one of my favourite actors ever. The history ever. of the Third Reich. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd be in quite such a <laughs> not a Christmas movie, movie then, no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so it's got one of my favourite actors ever playing what I have decided is a bit of a Columbo role. Ooh. And you when I've death line again, have you? No, oh, no, 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 yeah, no. That, that would be good. Um and when I first watched this, it turns out I was probably 12 because it turns out I watched it soon after it came out and the, the actor who it was, I thought looked ancient at the time. Now when I see it, it's like, no, he's just got a moustache on and he's just a little bit older than he was in the film that he was in. I think it was like seven years, no, eight years before. Um, okay. Lee had an idea. Go on, Lee. I was going to ask if it was Kolshak. Oh, no, I've not seen that, but I do remember you've mentioned that. Okay, Ooh, let's see what, what else. Um, all right, here's another yeah. big big clue. It's got a producer of a film that we've watched recently. Right, okay. Um, it's, got, it's got some great 80s slash 90s action sci-fi music. Fuck. It's not June. It's not June. I'm I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. Now, normally Adam Adam comes straight out and gets it. So either I'm doing terrible hints here, or I'm going to give you another big one. Okay. At some point, the phrase "crude, rude dude" is said, and I was like, "Is this where it came from?" Or I might not have seen this then because you you definitely have. Right. Mentioned it twice. Twice. Not. Not too long ago. All right, um, I'll give you... from beyond? No. Shit. All right, it's (laughs) it's directed and effects by Screaming Mad George. MacGyver! Yes, there you go. (laughs) Uh, 
I was going to next mention Brian Usner. Usner? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And so now, Lee, I don't think you've seen it. I started watching it. I got uh, about 20 minutes in uh, and abandoned it. See, right now, I remember seeing it and probably at the time, realising now, I didn't totally get the humour in it. Whereas watching it again now, and especially after what Adam said, like, it made much more sense. And in fact, it reminded me quite a bit of Psycho Goreman kind of silliness like and but quite still fairly brutal in parts but yeah just you know really silly well it was psycho goreman they talked about um Mm. the guyver as one of their sort of touchstones i was like i hadn't seen it but i knew of it and the worst thing was is that the few people i knew who had seen it recommended it but in that way where people say I loved it when I watched it as a kid, but you yeah. might come to it too late. Mm. Um, turns out, no. No, still, still well. right there. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was... Um, no, I fucking love that film. It is so... Much like we were saying about uh, the other day, we were discussing uh, specifically Tokyo Gore Police mm. uh, at the party. Yeah. yeah. That, kind, that kind of feeling, where it's like uh... very sort of just mental monster creations and brutality, but somehow quite, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very anime actually. I mean, it was called yeah. fucking Guyver and it's directed by Screaming Mad George, who's Japanese. So it kind of is quite, yeah, I'm just, you just don't think that because Mark Hamill's in it. Yeah. And now I, and now I get what you mean about you thought he looked ancient. Yeah. Then, and I was and watching, like, I was literally, like, he no, he's not yeah. that far past but to me yeah. he just looked so old in it when i saw him he's like that's yeah. not luke really that's like he's you know and clearly he's been around for much longer than than that but yeah i was almost like oh he's he won't be around much longer you know just i don't know it's just something what? really yeah. odd <laughs> no no but i, I just remember just thinking, i think it was also right i was so sad when they killed him in it i was like no that that doesn't happen yeah. he's, he's way too important yeah, to be true. killed in a film and it just yeah, oh, it must have really messed with me yeah, you, for I him, I was watching Luke, the film because of him at the, the time. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. And and it was like, you're, you're just, this is, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> but I, I remembered finding it like fascinating. And watching it again, though, the, the effects are almost more impressive now because similar to what we said about society, um, like, yeah, the fact that it's all practical. Like, yeah. Really great work. Oh, that's the thing. Is it's one of those like it has that same. It's like the thing mm, yeah. where there's so much, so much thought has gone into mm. such a surrealistic, chaotic looking thing. Yeah, but you know that someone sat there and uh, yeah. sort of had to feed that out <laughs> of their imagination. Yeah, you don't just yeah. get that done in a in a few moments either. It's like, yeah, there's there's a good amount of effort has gone into this. So it might oh, yeah. not have paid off at all, but yeah, it just looks <laughs> looked fantastic. But so I, I think Lee, you should give that another try one day. I've I've still got it, so yeah, I'll <laughs> dig it out from the shelf and I'll I'll give it another go. Definitely, you, you might have to be in the right mood, but yeah, for me, it I worked think that's well. What I thought at the time was, I was like, this is one of those films. If you're not in the right mood, it's not going to work. And Do you yeah. know what the trick. Do you know, and this is something that I was beginning to wonder about um, with lockdown and sort of not seeing people as often. The Giver is definitely a good communal watch. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I would, a, few, I would say a that. few beers and like six of you in a room watching it. Yeah. It's like, or Prince Charles. Oh, yeah. Um, experience. That would be the diver. It's that yeah. kind of, yeah, it's a party film. Yeah, because there's, there's not there's not too much. It's not exactly too complex to follow. No, no, it's, it's just not, yeah. Crazy fun, yeah. It's not like you've stuck Memento on. Mm. <laughs> As the third film after <laughs> half, half, half the people have passed out. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Well done, Chris. Um, Adam, have you been watching anything? Oh, uh, just to uh, just because my note has just reminded me. Uh, there will be spoilers. There will be swearing. I keep meaning to say it at the top of the show and forgetting. So for any new listeners, there will be spoilers and swearing. Sorry, Adam. So what have you been watching? Well, I was just going to say, so uh, apologies for that spoiler about uh, Mark Hamill's <laughs> character dying in The Giver. Yeah, whoops. Uh, but still see it. It's I, a- I tell you what, I will be impressed if we upset anyone with that. <laughs> that, that will be a niche of a niche that just got upset. Someone who's listening oh, to us who hasn't seen that and is don't upset. Don't encourage people. Don't encourage people. <laughs> please, please flame me. Go on. I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> oh dear. I've watched. I've watched quite a good, uh, quite a lot of good stuff. I've finally seen Come to Daddy. Oh yeah. The Elijah Wood, uh, Stephen McHattie film. Oh, that was um, great. Which uh, was uh, Claire, uh, rather lovely, got me that on DVD because. Uh, it was on film four and I fucking forgot. <laughs> and and I know there's catch up services and everything else, but bless her, no, she got me the DVD. So, mm. and it's definitely um, one you can re watch, I think. Yeah, especially because it's one is one that I definitely now, now I've seen it with knowing what happens. Yeah. I would like because I go in, I go, I went into it knowing Elijah Woods goes and stays with his estranged dad, Stephen mm. McCatney. Literally it. Mm. And then, yeah, it's. Have you seen it yet, Chris? Yes, yeah, I did yes. watch it as, oh, as an extra once. Yeah, and uh, no, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, but I would definitely like to watch it again for the same reason. Yeah, yeah me too. It is. Mm. It it does evolve in a, a slightly unexpected sort of way. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> which I didn't quite. Which I definitely didn't see coming. I mean, the mm. only thing I would say is that it is. It is unfortunate that you lose Stephen McHattie fairly early in the progress of the film mm-hmm. because that, just that where it's just him and what you assume is his dick dad is some of the funniest fucking <laughs> stuff I've yeah. seen. What, whilst also being really quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And, mm. and, and if someone by now, I'm dibs in this, if no one's done it before, at some point, I'm doing a I'm doing a piece of music or a song or whatever, and I need to sample the cunt rant <laughs> and just put that at the start of it. You know, go full blood duster, and yeah, because that that was just yeah, fantastic. And um, but yeah, so that was uh, yeah, that was a that was a really good one. And in fact, maybe we'll bung that on the list because we've all said mm. we'd like a rewatch. So. Yeah, I think that might be one to that. That's definitely one to sit there uh, for. I think us. where it threw me a bit is I still see Elijah as um, Frodo, and it's just it's hard. I think the only other thing I've seen him in aside from this is Dirk Gently. 
which I oh, really I've, liked, and it's yeah, another I've not, quirky. I've not seen his, his that version of Dirk Gently, no. Okay, it's, it's yeah, it's very odd. So that sort of gave me a little bit of a sense, but yeah, it just seems like he's he wouldn't be in something quite so uh, sort of I, random, I, chaotic, I, weird, I, funny. I cannot help but salute that man. Yeah, me too. Mm. Where, yeah. Whereas, like, make make an investment when you did Lord of the Rings because you knew that this was going to be fucking huge. Mm. And then just use the fact that you're comfortably well off uh, to make films you actually genuinely you want, want to be in yeah. Or, yeah. or see on the screen. And obviously, because mm. he's done, like, he was the producer for uh, Color Out of Space. Yeah, you said so he started a production company. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've, yeah. Done, loads, they've done loads mm. of stuff. For some reason, in my head, yeah, I think they did Mandy mm. as well. Yes, I um, think so they yeah, so they're doing quite a lot of yeah, like basically all and all sort of stuff that I just I just get the impression that I've probably got a similar taste to Elijah Wood, yeah. <laughs> in terms of like the stuff that he seems to want to do and appear in and things like that. I mean, have you seen the? It was on Netflix and it's in a similar sort of vein to Come to Daddy. Um, it's called um, I Just Don't Want to Live in This World Anymore. And yes, I did see that. That was brilliant. Yeah, and where he's <laughs> in it as like this sort of like frustrated, uptight, incel sort of guy. And, but yeah, and it's just, yes, yeah, just this woman basically decides that she's had enough. And so she goes and uh, of people just like, being arseholes for no reason. Um, and so she goes off to accuse the man whose dog has been shitting on her lawn, which turns out to be Elijah Woods, who's this sort of weird, like, tiny little kung fu man <laughs> who, like, does weight training and... But he's clearly, like, you know, just... a He's Millhouse with abs. Mm. <laughs> And um, but he's got like throwing stars that he's been practicing and stuff like that, and and he's he's fucking inept. He's not, uh, you know, he's not an Avenger, but he kind of tags along with her to because he agrees with her calls. And um, yeah, but that's that's really good. And he's got David Yao from the Jesus Lizard in it, and he is fucking brilliant. He is he plays <laughs> like the the main sort of villain, and yeah. He should be in David Lynch films. Yeah. He just is a really horrible, sleazy little man in it. He's really good. He's in, um, that's another one we've got to do at some point, Southbound, you know, the anthology film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's in that as well, and I remember him being great in that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's another one. Um, of the stuff, oh, yeah, um, my scientific advisor has helped me here. So films oh, produced by... Films produced by Spectre Vision, which is um, um, Elijah Wood's company. So, yeah, as we said, Color Out of Space, Mandy, uh, Daniel Isn't Real, Cooties, The Greasy Strangler, which is, for uh, my mind, one of the finest fucking things ever to appear. I'd I know Lee doesn't about, agree. I'd forgotten all about Cooties, though, and I really enjoyed that, and he stars in that it, again as well. Yeah, it's a great uh, arch enemy. The boy, I don't know what that is, but I can only do it as the boy. Um, 
girl walks home alone at night. Oh, LFO. Now that's a fucking great film. That was, I, I can't remember Low which episode it was. And I can't even go into it now because I can't remember, but I just remember how excited that film left me. Mm. Um, if it is the film I'm thinking, I fucking hope it is now. And it's just like, man <laughs> outs himself as nonce on podcast. <laughs> no, that's the one. Yeah, Swedish science fiction film about a man who realises he can hypnotise with sound. Mm. Yeah, LFO is a fucking great little film. I remember you um, covering that in your What You've mm, Been Watching, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's definitely another. I, I would say most of Elijah Wood's films are probably they're probably worth covering because most of them do cross over into horror. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, so I so I watched that. I watched. I'll hurry it up. I watched uh, Carnival of Souls. Fucking just fantastic film and something we're definitely going to cover at some point for you, Chris. Mm. Do you know what? I do think so we need to. I have tried to watch that film three times and every time I get about 20 minutes in and go, this is boring the piss out of me. But it's such a solid classic that I think I'm missing something. So... The, best, the best way to think of it, because I think the one thing it does suffer from is it has a... It has the sort of stilted, slightly stilted atmosphere um, of acting or type of acting that you get with... The Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. or like early sort of fifties and sixties television, and if you go into it thinking of it as um, like a special extended episode of The Twilight Zone, yeah, um, and it has and it's I, it has that feel, and it's very, it gets more and more atmospheric as it goes on because the really the start is after the initial sort of car accident, then it's just you know, it's sort of someone going about their ordinary life and then slowly realising something's up. Yeah. But it's very slowly realising something's up. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can say, again, it's one of those ones that I think is, I I think we should cover it at some point, definitely, because I think also if you can, because with the motivation to complete it to the end, Lee, I think you'll love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because it's, yeah. Um, I also watched uh, Eating Rowell, which is a new one on me. It's not um, not specifically horror, but it's a black comedy about a couple who want to open a restaurant but but can't get a bank loan. So mm. they start murdering the swingers who party in their in their apartment block <laughs> and like just stealing their money and stuff. And then. Uh, the the title of the, the character from the title Raoul uh, turns up and is played by Mr. Chicote from uh, Star Trek Voyager, and um, yeah, he sort of uh, he helps them turn this from like a cottage industry murder plot <laughs> into something a bit more like a business. So <laughs> it's but yeah, and it but it's I think the best way I can describe it, it is so John Walters. But it's like female trouble. It's that sort of absurd, slight. I was about to say slightly camp. Fucking hell. <laughs> that sort of absurd camp black comedy sort of feel. And I definitely think, certainly, I think it's one that you and uh, Lady Jennifer should check out, Lee, because I think cool. you'd really enjoy it because it's just. And the main, uh, and actually, the 
the characters in it, are like the husband and wife, the um, it's uh, oh, Paul. No, totally gone. But um, yeah, the um, they turn up in Chopping Mall as well. Oh, cool! Right at the start of Chopping Mall, there's just two uh, there's two people going. Oh, that could be quite useful in the restaurant, and that's from their characters from Eating Raoul. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure why, but um, yeah. So the but no, that's definitely one to uh, check out. Mm. Um, and like I say, I think you and uh, Lady Jennifer, Paul Bartell, that's the name I'm struggling with, but Paul Bartell and uh, Mary Warrenov, who's in House of, uh, House of the Devil. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's her and um, uh, it's her and um, and Paul Bartell, and uh, they're the couple. But Paul Bartell also wrote and directed it. And also, I didn't know this, is the director of the original Death Race 2000 which just immediately put him, like, I mean, I loved the film. And then afterwards I was like, what, and you directed Death Race 2000? That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> but uh, especially because the guy who plays the announcer in Death Race 2000 plays the host of a swingers party in, in one scene. And he is fucking unbelievable. Because he just, <laughs> hi, it, it's a proper um, Troy McClure sort of <laughs> feeling. He's mm. just constantly armed. Hi, and come right in, and it's fantastic. <laughs> and I could just hear the same voice going, and he splatters the scoreboard first. <laughs> um, and then finally, I watched Zoltan, Hound of Dracula, which we really need to cover on this show. But also, at this point, I will say, Chris, it's not meant to be a comedy, <laughs> but uh, it's fantastically hilarious in its own sort of well. In the, in the only way that a film that is Dracula doesn't... Well, Dracula does appear in flashback, but it's purely Dracula's dog and his sort of half-vampire uh, Igor-type servant. <laughs> uh, and they go and hunt down the last remaining Dracula, Michael Dracula, uh, who lives in America. And, uh, yeah, they... Who, are, uh, who has a family... And they have some dogs, and slowly Zoltan recruits those dogs into his vampire pack. Mm. <laughs> um, all in an attempt to get the blood of the last Dracula. And um, the thing was, as well, immediately there was a flaw because he's got kids. So everyone kept saying, oh, like, it's like, oh, well, he's the last Dracula. And it's like, well, no, he's got kids. They're the last Draculas. <laughs> you know, genetically, certainly. You know, there is no argument about that. If you're going to go bloodline as your as your theory, yeah, there you go. It's um, to, uh, but believe me, that is not the most absurd thing thing about a film <laughs> with a undead Doberman Pinscher. Um, I need to see this. Oh man, it's fucking great. Um, it, that is definitely one that I would say is a communal watch, but also a. Absolutely merry with fuck all to do watch as well. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to have a, a an evening at mine where you can both stay over and get very drunk and not have to worry yeah. about getting home at the end of it. I think that might be the <laughs> one to do. Once all this lockdown nonsense is over, that'll be the next thing on the list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Zoltan is something else, really is. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Um, so I have been uh, starting my Christmas viewing. Mm. Uh, so I've been watching the ghost stories for Christmas, been going back through some of those. And I mentioned before I'd rewatched the stalls. Of, uh, no, I'd rewatched. Um, Treasure uh, of Abbott Thomas. It was the Treasure of Abbott Thomas. Well done. Um, I watched that a second time because Lady Jennifer wanted to watch it as well. So we rewatched that and then followed it up with the stalls at Barchester. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, so it's just, I've just checked it because I checked last week and they hadn't put a date up for the mezzotint, which is this year's one. It's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve at 10.30 at night. How perfect is yep. that? Absolutely. I was overwhelmed with that. Cannot um, wait. Yeah. So yeah, I shall be. It's one of the, uh, this is going to be the first time in possibly five years I'm going to watch something live as it aired. Last time I watched something live as it aired on TV was inside number nine's Halloween special. So that goes to show you how often I actually watch TV. So, Well, so a League of Gentlemen uh, uh, are obviously the people who can get you to turn up for yeah. the opening <laughs> night. Yeah, it, it is, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's about it, really. So not much. I mean, uh, also been watching loads of Vic and Bob and also for Christmas watching Blackadder's Christmas Carol but that isn't really hot well it's got ghosts in it got ghosts in it oh, ten, that's, tenuously. fuck me that's, that has been that's been the basis for some yeah. films we've watched <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah we have watched a lot less horror relevant stuff than that I think um, so on to this evening's main event so a film that Adam introduced me to a long time ago uh, 1995's The Day of the Beast. Um, judging by your text, Chris, I think you were probably a fan of this, but would you like to tell us what you thought of it on your first watch? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. It's one of those, all right, it's subtitles, Spanish, okay, you know, might be on for something a bit heavy. And it, it turned out it was a very good balance of pretty brutal <laughs> and very entertaining and after having just watched the guyver i was set up perfectly for this as a continuation um yeah. i yeah like it's quite i suppose i would say it was definitely a caper but yeah with some yeah. pretty dark dark elements to it <laughs> so yeah really quite surprising I, I was sort of thinking i couldn't quite remember what you'd said about it how much you told me um but definitely in my head i was like well i'm sure they've mentioned that we don't have many more decent christmas based films to watch so again i was sort of expecting it to not be quite as good as it turned out to be (laughs) to to be absolutely honest and i would like to take this point to apologize uh to our uh brethren of uh not for everyone podcast when we did the uh, Welcome to Everyone Christmas episode last year and it was like your Christmas films, this had utterly slipped my mind. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that there was a period of time, probably up until the sort of, I don't know, about early 2000s, that I did watch this as a Christmas film. <laughs> and like, it was like a regular, I would watch this regularly. And yeah, but specifically, it would be like, well, Christmas is coming up and it's always festive to watch El Dia de la Bestia. <laughs> and um, 
I um yeah and I and yeah so I and I pissed it I think I pissed everyone off by saying Star Wars because everyone was like oh hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh basic um but I now <laughs> retract Star Wars and I put El Dia de la Bestia back in and uh, the Day of the Beast back in as uh my third Christmas film because mm. as I say it's going to go back on the Christmas watch list now but it used to be yeah it used to be a fairly regular thing and um yeah it's we hadn't you, you have repented Christmas films yes it, it's but, just oh. it's just so much fun like it's just, like mm. right, right from the opening you know while the credits are still rolling it's, it's the bit that always sticks with me is him pushing that mime down the subway like That's right yeah watching him starting to do all those acts it's like I can feel it bringing out the sort of naughty boy part of me. You just think, I could imagine watching this, you know, quite a bit younger again with mates drinking. And it's just like, he's just now on this mission to be the naughtiest. And and again, yeah, brutal, but still the way it's done is just so kind of funny. It, just It's a perfect setup as well for, to give you everything. It kind of gives you everything you need to know about hit the uh, him as a person. Cure uh, mm. as a person, because it's like right. I've got to sell my soul to Satan, so I will commit all the sins. Yeah, <laughs> and it's literally like knock down ginger. Yeah. yeah, but it's but but it's like it's the worst he can think of. He can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not that he's avoiding anything. He's genuinely like, that's, oh fucking hell, yeah, no, yeah. really. Oh no, that's terrible. And, <laughs> and a bit stole the man's suitcase. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Although, although also he does go all in with um, you're going to rot in hell when he's taking <laughs> yeah. the, the wallet and <laughs> give the cash. <laughs> So um, I know we don't normally do this, but just for the listeners, because I know this is a more obscure movie. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, a priest who has spent the last 25 years trying to decipher a code that he believes is in an ancient script, discovers that the, uh, the, the uh, Antichrist is going to be born on Christmas Eve uh, in 1995 in Madrid. Uh, and in order to get to meet the devil so that he can kill him he decides that he has to be the worst human being possible as well as work out where the antichrist is going to be born so it's just about this funny little priest going to madrid and being the biggest prick that he can and trying to find out about the occult um and so so just want to check the reason that he has to be uh, such a big prick is that the devil then won't kill him is that right because his friend who he tells at the start says oh like, I'm with you on it, but we better watch out because someone might have heard this. Was that? And then well, he gets killed. As in Satan will have heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously he would be that powerful that he would have be aware of what the plan is. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a weird one because it's his plan is meant to be to convince the devil that he's evil yeah. so that he can sell his soul to the devil so he gets to be with the devil and discover when the Antichrist is going to be born. And sort of, yeah, go from there, essentially. Like, he's going to be sort of brought in on Satan's plans. Of... So, so was, was he planning to kill him 
He was planning to kill the, the he's planning to kill the Antichrist mm. or prevent the birth of the Antichrist. Mm. So presumably kill the mother. Yeah. Okay. But but that level of determination whilst he's there, yeah, he sort of it's... well, he doesn't really know well again, he doesn't really know how to summon the devil to sell his soul. Mm. But he's yeah, pretty yeah. convinced he can work it out in a day. Which is why he ends so, up in a and, black metal record shop with a yeah. <laughs> with, with with one of the gr- greatest sort of characters in this type of film. So the the director Alex Della Iglesia, um, and apologies for how craply Allah said that, <laughs> um, is um, he said that. Basically, it was things like Evil Dead, John Carpenter, um, Jaws, I think, was another one. He said, but basically, yeah, this sort of, like you say, an adventure, like mm. a fantasy adventure sort of movie, but in that more, yeah, Evil Dead, Sam Raimi sort of vibe of it will have horror, but it will also have funny bits, and we won't, it won't chop and change because the funny bits could be in the horror. Yeah, as well. It's not just going to be like there's a joke, there's a horror, there's a horrible murder. Yeah, they probably will combine. Like um, <laughs> American Werewolf would be another one, yeah. I think, as well. And yeah, so yeah, so he goes and meet goes and meets um, uh, Jose, the um, guy who runs the record shop, who is the absolute perfect like metaler. Yeah, as in, and it's that thing as well that you always find. It's like, I mean, do you do you find this at work, Lee? Sometimes you get people like um, they'll go like that delivery driver's really nice. Oh, covered in tattoos, and he's got his hair all over the place. He's got like (laughs) really long hair, but he's a really nice bloke. Why would he not be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) because most metalers are quite mellow, decent human beings. Yeah, you know. And I think that's the thing. As a metaler myself in my younger years, I think you take it. Well, well we all were. I think you mm. you do take it all with a pinch of salt. You don't take it seriously. So yeah. it's it's got an element of a good sense of humour. So metalers have mm. got a good sense of humour, and as you say, generally that means they're decent human beings. And yeah, he's and he think, is an amazing character in this. I absolutely. It's love essentially it. it's just being obsessed about the thing you're interested in. Yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, you want to take that to an extreme, but it doesn't mean that you take necessarily everything in life to an extreme. Precisely. And so you've got this guy who is essentially so sweet natured that he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, no, these are basically he connects over the records. Yeah. And also, did you, did you spot on the um, slip of paper that he's spelled ACDC phonetically? No, <laughs> because it's kind of, it's kind of like meant to be that he's just heard the names, mm. so he's quickly oh, jotted down like <laughs> these metal bands because it's like Napalm Death, um, mm. and yeah, well, something else. Maiden. AC, yeah. I made an ACDC, but yeah, ACDC is like H A Y C I. You know yeah, what? Like, I looked. I didn't even put two and two together. I read the first two. I only saw the last one at a glimpse, and I went, "Yeah, I don't know who that is." <laughs> yeah, but no, it's because he's it's because he's never seen it written down. He's just heard someone say ACDC. So, so. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, and they sort of connect over music, but also, um, yeah, it's that same thing as well of uh, a fairly recreational user of hallucinogenics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, quite, quite, uh, you know, living living in his mum, who's got a ball, with his mum, who's got a boarding house, and and, and, and she he, is and, pretty tough. Yes, <laughs> she is our fucking core. <laughs> Yeah. What I love about that is that it's the scene later because obviously she has that big rant about, you know, well, I wish they'd come around here because I'd blow their balls yeah, off. Yeah. When it's like you see all this in the street and you see that. And it's a it's a proper sort of daily mail rant about mm, junkies absolutely. and homos and just yeah. Yeah, it just goes like, yeah. And then <laughs> and then she calls the police, and it's just that final dawning where, you, where she puts the receiver down of my time has come. Yeah. <laughs> Why am the I phoning the police? Yeah. And then she goes and tries to blow the fucking smithereens. <laughs> and it's like, and again, it's that lovely thing that um, um, Alex, uh, again, I'm good. All of these names are going to get fucked up. So I apologize, everyone. <laughs> but uh, Alex Angulo, who uh, is Kira, like the, the main priest. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> He is just a wonderfully, and I hate using the term because I fucking hate the man, but he's very Chaplin. Yeah. Very mm. Charlie Chaplin. That's, he has that it, visual. It's kind of, yeah. It, it almost gives kind of a naivety about yeah. him. Mm. He's kind of doing stuff just like in almost in the moment, he's getting on with what he thinks he should be doing, but he's not yeah. exactly aware of how everyone else is. It, it's like, um, he's, that was his first program that he'd ever watched. You know, it's just yeah. yeah. A, he's like you said earlier. Yeah, his life seems like it's very closed until now. Yeah. So, so he's sort of like yeah. He he's sort of doing the best he can, muddling yeah. through. But yeah, it's just a fucking disaster every time, and sort of it. But again, it's that thing. I mean, I I love, I love how him and Jose are together. Yeah. yeah because. Jose just really is just a nice bloke who's sort of like, yeah, you're all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he sort of, so he sort of helps him There's out. There's a purity to through. it. Yeah, there really is. It's weird. Mm. It's very his, weird. He does put his life on hold, effectively. A priest comes yeah. in to buy some yeah. records and he just yeah. says to him, here's a balding house. Yeah, I'll take you to meet that bloke. I'll drive you around. I'll help you kidnap somebody. Like, he just... Just because yeah. he quite likes the guy, he just puts his it's whole just life he quite in his likes hands. The guy and he's bored. He's yeah. A, yeah, you know. And I love the um, the um, like the stuff with like his granddad, <laughs> where it's like I love my granddad, but so he just is treating his uh, dementia by uh, dosing him with LSD, yeah. <laughs> which which actually does have a sort of. Uh, somewhat of a proven benefit. Oh, really? You know, it's, it's something that they seriously are still looking at as a thing with um, stuff like dementia and things like that is treating with, essentially with like hallucinogens and sort of psychotropics and stuff like that. So mm. it kind of has a, you know, it, it's not it's not just sort of like a mad it's not as thing, crazy you know? as... Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, and I, th- I think it's just sort of... Also, I do, I do love the fact that there is absolutely no romance. <laughs> uh, you know, like Jose, Jose fancies uh, Mina, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she don't want to know. 
and it's like, but that and that's the end to it. It doesn't have to yeah. be mm-hmm. a turnaround or anything. I mean, obviously, it can't be by the end, but um, yeah. And it's and actually, I think that's one of the the. Um, I mean, we'll come on to uh, Professor <laughs> Professor Cavan in a minute. But I think again, that's the. Um, that's the weird thing with the film is when you get to that end and it's quite sort of sad, but it's sad in the sense of, well, no one's, no one knows what we've done. Yeah. But it's actually much more, he's just sitting there holding the little um, boxing glove mascot that Jose gives him out of the car for luck. Mm. And it's just sort of like, yeah, but I'm more sad about that than anything, anything else that's sort of come of it and whatever. Oh, um, it's a lovely moment, and I've got to say, uh, I've, I've been to Madrid. Um, yes, and I was I ha- yeah, and it, 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 I mean, it is exactly what Madrid looks like, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I've been in that park as well, where they're sitting mm. on that bench. Oh, like, fantastic! It, it's a bit, and there's a huge uh lake there with like a boating lake and stuff, and a huge, um, like a massive sculpture. It's a bit like the uh, is it St Peter's Basilica in Venice? It's a bit like that. Like it's a massive statue. It's yeah, fucking mm. huge with this huge boating lake in front of it. Yeah, and we went and hired out a boat and just went round for an hour, half hour or so. Excellent. Yeah, it's because, lovely because in that park um, is oh, did, oh, there's a lot of last minute jotting down on this from uh, <laughs> yeah from uh, from an evening's cracked brain. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the fountain, the fountain in that park, which they walk past, hmm. is again. This is gonna. No, I'm just gonna say the translation. It's the fountain of the fallen angel, Ooh. and actually on it is Lucifer, like fallen, like sort of Lucifer on the ground. And now there's two things with this. One is brilliant, and one is also brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But first off, it said that it is the only statue in the world that is a tribute to lucifer why this did i not is... know that when i went no there? because it's horseshit <laughs> when I, when I, that's, that's the right. first thing that came up it was like something came up and i was like all oh, right yeah i seem to remember something about that when i looked into it deeper there's two more statues to lucifer in madrid so it's not just like the world you know at all um but and this is true, that statue uh, in that park is exactly 666 metres above sea level. Wow. Um, Which is apparently a coincidence. I don't think anyone's done it as some sort of psychic uh, thing. But, yeah, (laughs) I think they trade off that a bit too much. And we're the only statue. It's like... But... um, because actually, because uh, a lot of it's landmarks. Did, uh, did you see the Schweppes sign while you were there? I don't know if that was like. A... No, I, I I didn't see anything. We didn't spend. The thing was, we spent the first night in the kind of big city-ish bit, which I'm guessing is mm. where a lot of it's shot. And then we moved off to go and stay because um, we were there for the roller derby. So we went oh. off and we were all staying together in like a hostel on the edge of the town because it was nearer yeah. where the game was going to be. So yeah, I only saw one one day really of like big Madrid, which was all the yeah. designer shops and all that lovely. Yeah, and then we went and stayed off somewhere further, but it was nearer that park. So 
yeah, because that the the Schweppes sign that they have to escape down is real and is still there. Mm. Wow, uh, that's that's on the side of a building called the Edificio Carrion, um, which again is like a landmark building, and it's like restaurants, bars, apartments, offices. It's just one of those sort of big municipal sort of things. Um, and finally, on a um, what's it called? Uh, uh, architectural note: mm. uh, the haunts at the like the buildings at the end. In yeah. the shape of the devil symbol of I wondered like about that. Yeah, they're real, hmm. and they hadn't actually been finished. They hadn't finished building them at that point, uh, which is why it's all like sort of girders and stuff like that hmm. at the top. Hmm. And actually, that building was completed in '96, so it was the year after the film. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's that's a real place, and it's the Gates of Europe Towers, also known as the Keo Towers which is for the Kuwait Investment Authority. And apparently they are like a, a investment and banking concern who are very much uh, embroiled in the uh, sort of dodgy loans scandal that has basically seen as fucked uh, for wow. the past 15 odd years. So actually there's a, uh, I got the Blu-ray, the Severin Blu-ray of this. Mm. Holy shit. I didn't realise quite how bad the thing that I'd recorded off a film four years ago, (laughs) how bad that print was. Because stuff Mm. like, oh, it's well lit in the record shop. Because when I watched it, it looked like, you know, it was like some subterranean sort of (laughs) cellar type, like somewhere at Camden or something like that. You know, where it's like three floors down and it's painted black. But actually, it's like, no, this is a fairly normal shop. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so so from that point of view, it's definitely a, an eye opener. Um, but yeah, there's a documentary. I haven't watched all of it, but there was a documentary on there, like making of, and it's really quite a substantive, you know, amount. It's not just like a thirty minute job; it's like a feature length. Nice. Um, and in that, everyone keeps going. Well, that's how they're like. That's how clever. That's how clever. Um, uh, Alex is is that they've um, the <laughs> he chose that as the center of evil and most people are probably thinking that's correct now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that he took he made that the devil's headquarters. You <laughs> say so. this film just uh, in my mind I was like today when I thought right I'm going to watch it today so it's fresh in my mind and I kept thinking it's only like an hour and a quarter because it's such a f- like it, it's a great fun mm. film, but it's so well paced, it mm. rushes by like an hour and forty five minutes. It doesn't feel anywhere near that long. So I think it's it's almost in three sections, well, isn't it? It's like him building up, then him with uh, Jose, Jose, yeah, and and then yeah. when they sort of get with Cavan, and then the kind of ending where they're then taking on the yeah, devil. it's like it's like it's like the gathering of the forces, yeah. And then the final battle sort of thing. Hmm. Which, but yeah, again, Cav- which makes me laugh. Again, I know we've already said there's going to be spoilers. But yeah, the fact that the whole point of this film is watching him fight the Antichrist. And then at the end, it just gets killed accidentally. And he has absolutely <laughs> fuck all to do with it. It would have happened it, even if he hadn't been there. <laughs> well, more specifically, dependent on whether it's in, in the mind or not. Yeah. But... The fact that one of that gang turns out to be Satan anyway, 
Yeah. Mm. So Satan would have turned up and shot the Antichrist completely ignorant of when the Antichrist was going to come about. <laughs> so solved everyone's own problem. Yeah. <coughs> so, um, yeah, it is, it is literally you go through all of this and Jose dies and um, the outcome is absolutely no different. <laughs> no. I've got to say, one of the things that made me laugh out loud this time as well that I'd forgotten about is the bit when uh, you mentioned it before and he was saying he'd never seen TV before and he's mm. going what you've never seen Jesus Christ Superstar and then just yeah. proceeds to sing the whole thing yeah. <laughs> but it was it's, it's bits like that that made it seem like very real characters <laughs> yeah just yeah it's sort of that there's an element of that down to earth feel about the way they interact with each other and and then you've got cavern who is again another film that sort of it touches upon in terms of that sort of caper adventure sort of feeling mm-hmm. cavern is very much like roddy mcdowell in um yeah, Fright Fright Night. Night. yeah definitely where he's the host hope the yeah. bullshit psychic on a tv yeah. program who just basically lies his way like most TV psychics, uh, and then they go to him because it's like, well, you've you've got the um, you've got the knowledge and you've got the know-how, and he's like, yeah, and it's all bullshit. None of it works. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've done these rituals; they don't work. <laughs> I I've just written a book it. about them, but get like, and the thing with all these psychics and stuff, uh, you know, they always tell you exactly what you want to hear or whatever. I loved him on the show where he was like, your husband isn't going to get a job for another five yeah. years. But you've got some serious health issues you don't know about. That's far more impressive. <laughs> like, yeah. holy shit, you've just told someone they're going to die. Like, yeah. and you know it's all nonsense. <laughs> it's such a piece of shit. <laughs> he really is. And again, and again, it's that sort of lovely thing of he he comes along and you get the impression that it almost it almost becomes his attempt at redemption or something like that yeah. for knowing that he's just a fraud. And also, I suppose it's also that conversion thing where it's like, shit, this is real. Because a goat did turn up and talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> That's you fantastic know. as well. I love the way that, mm. that in my mind, I was I was like, oh, I couldn't remember. Once they'd eaten the bread with the LSD and stuff, I was like, does this go into like a cartoon or something? I knew something was going to happen. But yeah. it is, it's that goat, which, as you say, is so evil dead. It's exactly like the one in... Mm. Um, mm. Uh, what was Sam Raimi's other film? Oh, um, oh fuck, uh, Drag Me to Hell. That's it. It's just yeah. like the goat in that, where it's a real goat, and then suddenly it just stands up and it's got a weird face on it, and it just makes that connection with it. Like, it's it, it's so Sam Raimi, but it's great. It's just, it's so weird. And Well, according, according to the filmmakers, all the rituals and symbols and everything were the genuine ones that were in a ritual to raise the devil. Um, and But then they also claim that they received um, death threats from real, from real Satanists who were saying, you're exposing our secrets. <laughs> Doesn't look like a fucking magic circle, if you ask me, but there we yeah. go. <laughs> um, but again, but we are talking about, because that was something that came up on the documentary that I was fascinated by, is they, one of their... Uh, one of um, one of the director's early short films, which also had um, Alex Angulo in it, um, 
who like Kevin uh, Cura in it. Um, yeah, he did like this short film, and to get publicity and to get it released, they basically claimed that there was a film festival for the best short film featuring a soft drink. Uh, they were the only entrance. Uh, <laughs> they got their screening and then won the prize. <laughs> And that was that, that was how they had a prize-winning show. Is they just yeah made <laughs> a film festival, entered their one film in a film festival where only one film was showing. That film won, and so it had them all. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think they know a bit about um, publicity or sort of you know, <laughs> what what makes for good sort of good copy and stuff. Um, but yeah, so and. But the guy who plays Cavins, uh, an Italian guy called Armando de Raza, um, and he uh, he's mostly like a, a comedy like guy, hmm. like mm-hmm. sort of a, a sketch actor or something like that. But he had two like characters where he sung. One was like a French sort of Jacques Brel sort of type miserable singer, and the other was. A um, the others like an Italian like crooner, mm. and but it was one of those things where it crossed over, and he ended up releasing albums as this crooner, <laughs> and they did quite well. So it's almost like I I don't know I get I get a sort of Matt Berry sort of feeling too, mm. where it's like yeah. it's sort of start, started as a funny thing, and then it's sort of um, actually no, we can we can do this. He's fantastic as well. I, I, that's the thing with this, although. I mean, obviously, we don't. I don't know a lot about Italian um, actors and the Spanish cinema, um, hmm. but everybody in this was just brilliant. So, so good. So, I've not seen any yeah. of. I've not seen anything that anybody else have. Anything else that any of them were in. Sorry. Um, no. Well, yeah, they the, just worked and they gelled so well together as mm, well. That was what mm, got me. Yeah, it's well. I think again, it's just a, a lovely set of characters, and they don't. And the weird thing is, is that it's you get a lot of and more obviously with more serious horror films anyway. But you get that sort of thing of well, why is someone doing this or mm. why are they going back or whatever like that. With this, you perfectly understand. Yeah, do you know mm. what I mean? It's like it it feels very natural. Yeah, and like what Cavern goes through, like of getting the fuck beaten out of him and then nearly dying, falling out of a window, mm. uh, falling off the sign rather. Um, but at the end of that, he's like, no, we did actually see the devil. Shit. Yeah. And actually starts trying to help. Mm. And, yeah. You know, because it's like, no, because this, he's like, well, there's two ways of looking at this, but if we're fucked if we don't do anything. And mm. sort of puts out the call to them on the, sh- on the show. Because that, again, I love that when um, Jose calls into the show and he's like, well, no, tell him, tell him he knows me. Right, tell him it's the guy who fucked up his floor <laughs> yeah. after he's been carving the um, pentagram in the floor. Because he's just going, you're going to ruin my floor. And it's like, it says in the book that you've got to, yeah. you don't need to do that. Well, why is it in the book then? Yeah. I just put it in there. I love that <laughs> logic. Have you wrote it so it's your fault if I carve yeah. Yeah. on your floor with a knife? <laughs> so, yeah. But, I mean, also... Um, there's, I mean, it's a fucking great soundtrack. Yeah. Um, which, um, again, I forget about the, because um, you've got, I mean, obviously there's a lot of um, Spanish bands in there. Like the stuff that he plays him in the shop, 
because he gives him, he says he wants to listen to that album that's called Live Death, mm. which apparently is a split live album of suffocation, malevolent creation, X order, and I love this band name, Cancer. Um, <laughs> nice. They're not fucking around, are they? That no, was... that, they're really trying to get your attention with that one, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, that, but the, album that the music that plays is by a band called Cthulhu so you know immediately (laughs) immediately they score points anyway but the main theme music that is the when they go to the club and uh, see the band Mm. that's a band called Defcon Dos who like Defcon 2 Mm -hmm. um, who are like a Spanish rock uh, rap metal like rap rock band basically Mm. um and but the thing is, is that I got I was just getting serious dog eat dog vibes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of era where it's like, actually, I'm not going to complain mm. about rock metal here. But you got like Ministry on the soundtrack, Pantera, um, yeah, just loads of really um, cool stuff. That opening mm. music um, that sounds like Ministry so mm. much is the composer a guy called Batista Lena who I will be looking up more stuff of because that fucking, I loved that opening. Because it, it, again, it goes so well with it because it's not, it's a film that takes all the horror seriously and takes the visual horror seriously and the atmosphere seriously, but has the jokes within it. Yeah. Rather than, oh, well, we'll put a jaunty comedy theme as he's going around pushing mimes over. And it's just that (laughs) with the squealing saxophone. Um, which does sound like sort of mid-period ministry, which is always a fucking mm. good thing. I was, um, I was very uh, envious though when he was scrolling when he was in the the record shop going through, and he was like Venom, and then I saw a Morbid Angel vinyl yeah. in there, and I was like, God, I wish I owned them. <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah, lot of tune there. See, that's the weird thing as well. Is it's it's again, there's no. It's it's not a piss take of metalers, but it is. Yeah, like Jose is a typical metaler, but it's not in a derogatory way or yeah, anything. No. You know. Yeah. Uh, but um, but I also um, yeah, I've seen the film that the director did before this called Action Mutant or Mutant Action, hmm. which is like a sci-fi I've really got to see it again because I've I am now somewhat obsessed again with this film and with this director and I want to see Action Mutant again because that's basically like a sci-fi film that's also about like a militant group of disabled people who go around like forming a revolution mm. um in, re- in revenge against society it's a fucking great film and it's that same it has that same air that this does. Mm. Um, but he's also done a film that I now want to track down called Witching and Bitching. I guess was... I have seen that also set in Madrid. Yes. Uh, yes. Have you actually seen it? Yes, I have. Yes. Any good? Yeah, really good. It, it, yeah, it, it'd be a perfect partner to this, actually. Right. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that definitely out. Definitely worth but, um... I, 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 It's another one of those. Every now and again, I remember it exists. And I think... I need to go and re-watch that and then I'll forget all about it. But it's really easy to get because um, because it's such a low-budget movie, 
it yeah. turns up on loads of streaming sites and stuff. So oh, it's cool. easy I'll to have find. to keep an eye out then. It's well worth yeah. your time. It's fantastic. But yeah, I've got, and like I say, I've definitely got to rewatch Action Mew 10. I haven't seen that for fucking, well, probably, I think I saw that once before, after I first saw uh, Day of the Beast. And so that was many fucking years ago, I think. But yeah, I think that, um, yeah, all in all, I had forgotten that this is a fucking marvellous, because nothing says Christmas like a group of crypto fascists <laughs> shooting a baby dead. <laughs> That's what Christmas is all about, isn't it, when you think about it? Because even that, where you've got, like, that is fucking brutal, where it's the, like, the right-wing, like, the fascist gang going around yeah. mm. setting fire to homeless people and writing clean yeah. on the fucking walls and shit like that. There's no... what. That's another thing I like about this is I feel that this is... I feel watching this tells me about Madrid in the way that, say... I'd know Long Good Friday would tell someone about London or something like yeah. that, where it's just that sort of the, oh no, this is the reality of what can be going on here. Yeah, this is the, the ugly know. side you don't see. Yeah, this is the tourist side, even though you get like like the the park and you get the Schweppes building and stuff like that. So you get all these, and, those, and the towers as well. So you get all yeah. these sort of iconic landmark elements to it, but they're, but they're seen in a much different way. And I mean that bit where the when they first when he shows when Kevin shows in the towers, hmm. and th- I mean the way that is shot, you know, the, I mean, there's it's fucking really well done. Yeah, like, I, I mean the whole film, you know, looks. It's again, and but and, and the thing was, this was fucking huge in Spain. Hmm. This film was this film was like Shaun of the Dead or something like that. You know, really, hmm. really sort of got uh, took off and a load of people love it and it's well, not arguably it seems perhaps slightly before its time yeah. the way you know the whole style and the feel of it I could have expected it to be more recent genuinely I would have said if this was if this was in English mm. uh, not that Frankly, I want it to be what it is, but I think if this was a film that was in the English language, this would be talked about like Big Trouble in Little China or sort of, mm. or even like Evil Dead or whatever, just those, in those kind of ballpark of, you know, horror kind of comedy, but you actually still get some decent horror with it. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. I wonder I think, how, how that does change. Being in Spanish and with subtitles must make it more niche, but but oh, almost definitely. adds adds more of a unique element to it when you you know when you find it when you persevere. I think because mm. I think that's that's why so many films they just end up with that whole remake thing where it is like mm. literally, especially when you've got stuff like Funny Games and The Grudge, where they ask the original director to just come and film it with. English-speaking actors that you're familiar with, yeah, because they're like, oh well, loads of people had watched The Grudge, uh, even though there is a part of me that's like, well, if you can't be able to read the subtitles, you don't deserve it, do you? <laughs> Fuck you. 
But um, I, I absolutely yeah. agree. But I've got to say, yeah, this is the first time I've watched a subtitle movie with a hangover. Um, and I was getting motion sickness. A bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you saying about the, you know, about the, the, the fascist gang going around and stuff. And it, it, it being very much a, it, it has got that horror element and stuff. Um, I thought that I'd forgotten how gory it is when he gets his ear shut off. Like that mm. is yeah, really yeah, yeah. brutal. In yeah, nothing. What is nothing effectively sort of... a comedy scene. Yeah, mm. I mean, even down to that fact, I don't know how many, I don't know how many films would go with the bit at the end when it's just that. Just I mean, it's it's pure like comic timing but when Kevin turns around and you realize oh no he did get very badly burned yeah but it's just like one yeah. side of his face yeah but he's still got half a mustache yeah like half his beard rather and it's sort of... <laughs> it and is again, it's the I don't darkest know... comedy but it's yeah. absolutely incredible yeah and it's i think this is one that should be taken to heart in a weird way i think this is one that a lot of people I think a lot of people who enjoy our show would enjoy this as well. Mm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. If, mm. if you've not seen it, we've just spoiled it for about <laughs> an hour and 40. Uh, but I'd, I'd, I would like, yeah, I'd still enjoy it. Still watch you know? it. Yeah. yeah Cause we're, we're not absolutely, doing that. No, we're not doing the, the job of the film. Mm. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. It, it's, and again, it's another one of those. It is about the, I know it's, more often than not the case but it is about the journey you know even if you know yeah, the story yeah definitely the timing and everything of it is just so, and, it's, and as we said it's a lovely looking film as well so mm. yeah it's uh yeah it's definitely one to one to check out if you haven't seen it um yeah i would definitely still watch it um excellent right so to wrap up we are now so merry christmas everyone have a yeah, lovely merry christmas, christmas. Um, merry christmas we are going to have a little break this year uh, as we've been so tuckered out with doing all of our extra episodes and everything during lockdown. Uh, so our next episode is not now going to be up until the 16th, 15th, mm. 16th. Fuck it. It's coming up middle of January. Our next episode <laughs> is going to be out. Um, we're going to have a cheeky break until then. Um, and we are going to be back with something a bit different. So, Adam and I believe it was Claire actually originally suggested it. Um, so, Adam, would you like to tell the listeners what we're going to be covering when we return in January? When we return in January, we are going to be covering The Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> Thank you, Ooers. Um, can I come in for an ooh? They say, oh, you heartless Ooers. But uh, uh, yeah, we're doing The Hound of the Baskervilles. Now, this obviously is a story that's been adapted a number of times. But what we're going to do is we're going to watch, obviously, the Hammer one, obviously. because it's one of Hammer's best films. You've got you've got mm. the Kush, you've got the Lee, you've got a glowing dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Andre Morel? Uh, I believe he? so. Watson? Yeah, I think so. Some incredible um, painted sets as well. Some lovely yeah, just, matte backdrops. And it really brings out the gothic heart of the film. Mm. Because the weird thing is, is obviously it's a Sherlock Holmes story and um, it's 
like the it's kind of the rationale of now even though it's it was written in victorian times but for mm. those times it was we are in an enlightened state we don't believe yeah. these myths from sort of 300 years ago of ghosts and ghoulies on the moor and stuff like that so it's that sort of rationality is brought into it but hammer really amp up the folkloric mm. sort of aspect to it uh, and then after that, we're going to cover the Hound of the Baskervilles. But <laughs> we're going to, for just just for a comparison's sake, we were sort of like we were trying to do, it and we think what we're going to do is we're going to definitely cover the version starring Jeremy Brett from the like the TV movie um, one from the Granada Sherlock Holmes series from the eighties and nineties. Best Sherlock Holmes um, ever. Which is the best Sherlock Holmes ever and also is the most, I suppose, the closest certainly to the book Mm. of any Mm. adaption that is out there. Um, But we will also be popping in and talking about other versions that we've seen. Uh, So probably touch on Sherlock's uh, episode about it because it was when, because it came from a time when watching Sherlock was still exciting. Um, also, and, uh, that one of the main characters in that, Chris, uh, greatly injured in childhood, but I'm sure that'll get mentioned. Um, oh, okay. That that might have been remembered slightly incorrectly, Lee, but let's <laughs> let's uh, let that unfold <laughs> naturally. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 draw a veil over it for over it for now. We've we've already had one 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 injured child this evening. Well, <laughs> shot dead. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll leave it at that for Christmas. You know, <laughs> we're not. Um, oh, I can't think of his fucking name now. Never mind. Herod. That's him. Yeah, yeah we're not Herod. Yeah. There we go. That delivery would have been so much better if I'd remembered the name. <laughs> if I'd have tried. If, if I'd have made Spanish. an effort. Yeah. At least, well, at least you turned up. <laughs> thank you. At the edges. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll be looking at that version, probably looking, well, definitely talking about Pete and Dad's version because we 100%. won't be able to not mention it. So overall, there'll be, it's, uh, yeah, I suppose the sort of first part of the year is going to be a couple of shaggy dog stories. Hey. Sounds nice. good. And I haven't seen it, any of them. So I'll be looking forward to that. It's going to be a busy January Fantastic. for you. But <laughs> yes. I mean, I think... I think there's a Sherlock Holmes we're massive fans of, and that mm. is the closest one to horror. Um, and mm. oh, yeah. okay. and it isn't just our opinion. As we say, the fact that Hammer have covered it and stuff definitely puts it very much in that camp. Yeah, that makes um, sense. It, it's the nearest. Certainly there was a TV series called um, Nightmare, the Birth of Horror, mm. and they, uh, they covered the... Uh, writing of Frankenstein, Dracula, um, oh, um, Jekyll and Hyde, and Hound of the Baskervilles. And similarly, the Ladybird classic horrors that I had as a child and still have, uh, mm. which had Frank, which had simplified versions of Frankenstein, Dracula, Jekyll and Hyde, um, The Mummy, and Hound of the Baskervilles. So it still definitely mm. is mm. considered in horror. Because there are, I mean, we'll get, we'll talk about it on the thing that there are some other Sherlock 
home stories that sort of veer into that territory. But that's yeah. one of the few that's really, for a prolonged amount of time, is sort of supernatural and, yeah, you know, something based in an unknown. Because uh, like they said, I mean, the weirdest thing is, <clears throat> and here's something I don't know a lot, uh, not a lot of people know that, uh, probably loads of people do, so fuck them. Um, but when Conan Doyle started writing Hound of the Baskervilles, he had all of the stuff set up about the legend and then didn't know what to do with it. So he then, at this point, he'd killed off Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Final Problem. Mm-hmm. So the only person, he, the only character he could come up with who would be able to solve this mystery was Sherlock Holmes. So it was presented as a story from Watson's case files. So it wasn't, they didn't resurrect Sherlock Holmes, but uh, this was the first story that came out after, because when he killed off Sherlock Holmes, it was like a nation mourned. People yeah. wore black armbands and stuff like that when he killed off Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. to start with, because he just got bored with the character. And then, yeah, so he does Hound of the Baskervilles is sort of like when the public next get their hands on some new Sherlock Holmes. And I think that's another reason why it was such a, it's the totemic Sherlock Holmes yeah. story, weirdly. Mm. And then after that, it was like, well, this has been a smash hit. I'll bring him back. And that's when you get the empty house where he actually brings him back and does new stories. Mm. So, yeah, I look forward to that. Cool. Right. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope we haven't been too hungover. And uh, <laughs> my throat keeps drying out. And I keep losing my ability to talk halfway through a sentence. But uh, Same. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so go and have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy your new year. Uh, we love you all very much. And we will see you all in the middle of January. Thanks very much. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.